A bit, a little bit of pain? Yeah, I am in a little bit of pain today. Yeah, right. What did you do at the gym? Um, I spent 35 minutes on the treadmill. Wow. Cardio. And then did... That's rare. And then did abs. Yeah, that's rare. <laughs> I haven't, haven't been for like three weeks, so... Well, there you go. She's a bit sore. She's and a it's, bit time, it's time of the yeah, month as well. So like, it's <laughs> the combo. Yeah. Uh, hey guys, how are we doing? Hello everybody. We have a guest today, Andy. Hi guys. DY Calisthenics, who is probably the best way to know him because that's his Insta handle. Um, so today we're going to have a bit of a chat about some gym stuff, some mental health, um, and Andy's going to tell his story, which might, we might just start crying, but that's okay. <laughs> Um, so basically we're going to start it by just chatting about how, um, girls are in the gym because I think it's quite an important subject to talk about, especially because, you know, it's so common for girls to be Mm -hmm. in the gym now. And like, I think a lot of guys kind of just, I find that they judge girls and be like, you, you know, you're kind of looking too strong or you're looking too big. And I'm like, I feel like it's not just about the way they look. Like, I think it's a lot more about how we feel. Yeah. Like I, I do it because I want to be strong and I want to like just look a certain way for sure but like it's mm. all about strength and confidence for me yeah i mean how you look is just a bonus really yeah uh, but, but it's more about how you feel but there's certain guys that are like oh you got big shoulders and i'm like thanks like are you sad about your own like get off it mate that? get off it like girls can't just grow an ass like they're gonna grow everything else so yeah yeah um but i think it's like a quite quite a big thing now mm. in society for girls to be killing it at the gym yeah which we love but like obviously you do classes and stuff like that which is yeah yeah I definitely try to do classes um just because I I lack motivation a lot a lot (laughs) like I said I haven't been in three weeks yeah she's she's had a bit of a shocker I've had a bit of a shocker motivation is hard for girls as well though like yeah I'm tired all the time you are like always sick as well I'm always sick I'm always tired, and that's always my yeah. excuse. I like finish work at four thirty, and I'm like, yeah, nah. Yeah. I want to go home and go to bed. I if I didn't have to come here, I would have gone sure. home and I would have gone straight to bed. Um, and I think that's something that I think obviously, like I met Andy through gym, which has been amazing. Um, I was obviously new to Crunch in DY, shout out. Um, and I met Andy, he approached me and he's like, you have such a nice smile. Like, you're such a nice person. Like, I want to get to know you. And I was like, hi. Like, She's very thanks. rich. She like, like a bitch all the time. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I, have, I said, said that to you. I was like, do I look approachable? <laughs> um, and yeah, so I think having met Andy kind of really helped my confidence and like meeting new people in the gym is hard especially when you're a girl Mm. you kind of just keep to yourself I think yeah so having Andy there was great and he obviously tested my patience and he tested everything (laughs) about me like you can do more you can lift heavier and I was like what do you mean like I don't want to do this like it's it's too hard like I'm going through a breakup it sucks and then I think like you told me your story and I was like hmm shit I actually can't complain like your problems are like minute I was like oh my god (laughs) and I think like I think people need to hear it especially because like again like obviously Brooke says motivation is hard and like being sick and stuff like that Mm. and obviously like you go through so much and I think yeah it's it's inspirational but it's also like oh my god get your get yourself off the couch and actually do something yeah um so why don't we start with like introducing you and what you do yeah. Um, so yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Um, my name is Andy. I'm a 41 year old um, 
retired school teacher, uh, former professional tennis coach. Oh, I, didn't um, I am a recovering addict and I also have multiple sclerosis. You do. And I am a member at Crunch DY and uh, <laughs> that's where we met, of course. Yes. And um, yeah, this is kind of where I'm at in my life. So Wow, and you have a daughter. And I have a daughter. Yeah, she's four and a half. And, um, oh, she's a little, thing in the little world. angel. And she has been my life support over the last couple of years through a really tough time. So, yes. Yeah. She's beautiful. So multiple sclerosis, kind of talk us through that. Like, What, mm. what does that entail? Um, well, it, it's, it's called the invisible disease. It's really difficult to explain because it looks different for everyone. Yeah, okay. So um, for me, it, it started with my first episode, I think back in 2018. Yep. And that's when my left eye just went sideways and the oh other gosh. one stayed straight. It was really bizarre. And um, that episode lasted for about six weeks and I had MRIs wow. and lumbar punctures and a whole lot of different things. That lumbar puncture went really bad, by the way. Wow. That kept me on the bed laying prone for like a week. I couldn't move because there was a bit of leakage. There was spinal fluid leaking oh, out of the incision wow. they made. Oh so God. I had like one of those really bad spinal headaches. Jesus. And um, that was brutal. I had to go back in the hospital, get a blood patch where they patch up the hole. And uh, oh, it was, it was brutal. Um, oh so that was 2018. They thought that it was MS back then, but you need yep. at least two episodes to okay. be able to diagnose it. Right. And um, yeah, and the other one eventually came around, I forget the timing of it, but it was around about the time I was in rehab. Right. Which is what I'll talk about. Yep, of course. In a moment. Mm -hmm. um, right. So if you'd like, I can share a little bit of my story with you guys. Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, before we go straight into, you know, the stories of hot plating coke and racking up <laughs> lines of endless Ritalin and two liters of whiskey a day. Wow. And um, you know the sex and the porn and the pain and the shame and the guilt and the lies and the devastation and destruction I caused to other people and families. Uh, the levels of rock bottoms that I had and uh, what led me to getting caught, having my daughter taken from me and then eventually going into rehab and then getting discharged from rehab and admitted to hospital in my third week um, and my journey since then through recovery. So, of course. Yeah, so to ease into that, um, <laughs> I, I'll just trace it all the way back to my upbringing. Yeah. I was brought up in a Christian home um, by beautiful, loving, caring parents. There's no mm -hmm. dramatic story of childhood abuse or trauma for me. Uh, there's no DV stories in there. I had a beautiful childhood. Yep. Um, I still have my faith today, my faith in God, and Jesus is my higher power because in the 12-step mm -hmm. program, you have to have a higher power. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I always grew up sort of not straying too far away from the path that I thought I was supposed to go on. I was always trying to be a good role model and a good leader for mm. others. Uh, I was the guy at all the parties that would lay off the drugs and lay off the alcohol so that I was there to take care of everyone yeah. who was absolutely obliterated. Yeah. Yeah. So I did that pretty much for the first 21 years of my life and uh, I took that responsibility very seriously, but at the same time, it weighed heavy on me. Mm -hmm. yeah, so by the time I was 21, I thought, I'm just going to duck into my car, go traveling up and down the east coast of Australia for four months, 
and I just want to try a few things. Yeah. So I thought, oh, I'm going to try and get drunk for the first time. I see everyone do it. It must be good. So, so you haven't been drunk before no, this? No. So when wow. I was 21, I got drunk for the first time. I didn't know what to do, so I just drank seven fluoro-coloured vodka cruises in an <laughs> hour. Love and, that. In an hour? I, yeah, and I knew that there was supposed to be like some tipsy happy stage that you were supposed to get to. I completely... <laughs> you would have missed that. And I went straight to just being so sick. Absolutely And I was fucked, wrecked yeah. for about two days after and that. And cruises wow. are sweet. Yeah, too. Like that. Not sick. only is it alcohol, it's yeah. a sweetness. It's exactly. Summer, I was on a surf trip, I was dehydrated, oh, and I was did it properly. So that was my first experience with alcohol. Yeah. Um, on that same trip, I wanted to see what it was like to smoke pot for the first time. So the joint came over to me, and I didn't know how to smoke. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I didn't yeah. Know it's, a, so, it's a different thing to yeah. actually do. So I thought, I'll just attack it like I attack my ventilant puffer. Yeah. So I just took the biggest, <gasps> deepest breath I oh, could no. and just... Yeah, oh god, it, you would have had lots. Oh man, yeah, it really hit hard. Yeah, and I was oh, coughing, god. I was on the ground, I was burning on the inside. Yeah, it hurt. And, um, and then I experienced what it was like to be high, and okay. you know, it, it was fun, lots of laughs and giggles, and then I got the munchies and yeah. you know, the whole works, and then I got that paranoia that sets in, mm-hmm. and, yeah. and that was, I hated that because I've never been paranoid my whole life. Yeah. Um, and that's what I wanted to mention. Like, my whole life, I've never had depression, never had yeah. anxiety, never had you know, cases of bad bullying or anything mm-hmm. like that. I've had a pretty peachy life. Yeah. I've never had any real problems. Yeah. So I'm the least likely of people to end up where I did. Yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah. So that leads me to, I was 21 at that time. I got married when I was 25. I was married with my wife for 14 years. Wow. And, and when we separated, uh, my daughter was two years old at the time. Yeah. Um, and you know we just drifted apart in the marriage mm-hmm. there was distance there our work lives meant that we were kind of like ships in the night mm-hmm. we didn't get to see each other that much yeah, we were doing all the right things we were, we were making money we were saving money we were paying off mortgage yeah. we, were, we were doing all the right things yeah. um, but um, I take full responsibility for not um, keeping things spontaneous and spicy and being on the front foot with just making sure that we're putting each other first and not letting everything else get in the way so which you lose sight of and it's only something mm -hmm. that you can see you know down the track once it's kind of ended that's when you're like oh like i could have done more that's right hindsight gives the greatest insight Mm -hmm. so looking back now you know I, i i can think of so many times where i should have just you know um, altered my lifestyle to yeah. you know get things back on track mm-hmm. but you know I got complacent and yeah. and we got to that stage where you know she said that she wanted to move on mm-hmm. and um, I just didn't see that coming right. never in a million years that was December 2019 so it was a bit of a blind side yeah you weren't massive. ready for it yeah because yeah. I thought even though things uh, weren't perfect that there would always be you know couples therapy or marriage counseling yeah. or you know change of jobs things that we could yeah. do to get back on track well you're like surely with your like religion as well it's kind of like you know it's you stay together that's right you, till death you, to us part yeah exactly so that it's, was, it's very you know that's a big thing yeah so when it happened um yeah it rattled me yeah, really hard did then, she not think of that like did she not think of trying couples therapy like or was that just her decision and that's i think it was already too far gone right i think she probably already had too many conversations with me and dropped too many hints 
and I was just too slow in acting out. Right. Yeah, of course. Yeah. 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 Because you just didn't know that was going to be the end of it. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So, yeah, those feelings of rejection, replacement, and abandonment, Mm. I've never had before in my life. Yeah. 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 An older age, it's just kind of like, shit. Yeah. So I realized at the age of like 37 that I really had zero emotional intelligence to sort mm. of manage those emotions and identify those feelings. Mm, Not yeah. only that, I didn't know that there were people I could speak to and groups of and course. meetings and yeah. other. I didn't know that men had feelings. Yeah. And men had emotions yeah, and that we could speak about yeah. them. Um, I thought I was the only one in the world going through it. And of course, with my upbringing, I felt a, a deep sense of guilt and shame. Yeah, that, of course. You know, that you know, my marriage had ended. And, yeah, you know, I, I was a marriage deal. celebrant too at the time. I've oh, done wow. like 12 or 13 different weddings. And now here I am. Wow. My wedding is, you know, oh. over. Um, my, my marriage is over. Yeah, so, right. So did that mean that um, she just left and it, she took your daughter with her? Or like what no, happened there? No, everything was um, peaceable at that point. Yeah. Um, because I had never been a drinker or a drug taker. Right. It so was just that time when I was 21, 21. and I wanted to try it. <laughs> of course. So um, it was kind of just a custody kind of thing? Like you yeah, it's all 50-50. Sure. It was, yeah. yeah, it Sweet. was fine. Um, but I was heartbroken and I didn't know how to deal with those feelings. Yeah. And I was executing the keep it private till it's permanent sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, living in denial, um, believing that we would get back together, that she would Right, so you were kind of hopeful of it. Yes. Hundred yeah, right. percent. Okay. Um, I never ever thought that she would leave and st- and stay gone. Yeah. So yeah, of course, after fourteen years, that's yeah, a yeah, yeah. long time. Yeah. yeah. And plus, our daughter was two at the time. Yeah. So during that month of January, I went to see a counselor and, and I spoke as best I could, but I remained in denial. Okay. He saw the writing on the wall. He saw it for what it was, and he was trying to move me into the next stage of my grief and loss. Yeah. Um, so that I could deal with it. And after I gave a little bit of pushback on that, um, I stopped seeing him because I didn't want to go to that next stage. I refused to believe that it was over. And that's yeah, when okay. that's course. when my inner addict came out. Right. That was really the turning point um, when I stopped seeing him. Yeah, because I okay. listened to that voice inside of my head saying, you know what you need to do to help deal with these feelings for now before she right. comes back. So like a, just a temporary, like yes. a band-aid. Yeah. Yes, because I was diagnosed with ADHD and I knew right. the effects that Ritalin had on me and they okay. gave me a sen- a false sense of well-being. They gave right. me a little bit of confidence mm. and I knew how they worked on me. I knew that if I took a little bit more than what was prescribed, they could, you know, give me a bit of a rush Make at the half hour, 45 yeah. minute mark. Yeah. And that was good. I liked that feeling. Mm. It made me feel like, Everything was going to be okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Right. So I immediately went to a new uh, psychiatrist mm-hmm. and I lied to him mm-hmm. and I lied my way into getting the maximum prescribed amount of Ritalin, um, which is 200 tablets every two months, right. which is, that's a lot of speed. Yeah. You know? That's a lot. And um, I was able to get different types as well. And I remember the day I got it, <gasps> I immediately started abusing it. Yeah. My prescription was one to two tablets as um, one to two tablets daily as required. Okay. Mm. Um, and I immediately um, took twelve straight <gasps> off the go, and oh 
And then I started to break open the little capsules of the slow release ones. And I'd tip all the little balls out and I'd start crushing them up in the morning pestle and then I'd start snorting those as well. Wow. And that goes hand in hand with alcohol, you know, because the stimulants they really hype you up and Mm, rev you up. Um, and the alcohol sort of takes the edge off, um, makes you not quite as anxious and it also helps you sleep at night. Right, so you were kind of wow. struggling to sleep before that, like do you reckon? A little bit. I started to have a lot of nightmares okay. because of the, the trauma of it all yeah. um, and just not having an outlet, not speaking yeah. to anyone about yeah, it and living course. in denial. Yeah. Um, and so that's the beginning of my substance abuse, drug addiction and alcoholism. Right. And that was in at the end of January which started 15 months of, of that for me. Wow. Um, it wasn't long after that where COVID hit, lockdowns oh, came no, in. That would have made and us so much gym, The gym closed. Yeah, which right. Meant, so you've been, always been in the gym. You've always kind of been yeah, into fitness. Yes. Okay. And so the fact that um, Crunch was closed oh meant God. that I, I couldn't go and work out and I couldn't be around people. Crunch is a very safe place for you. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's sort of the only community that I had at that time. Yeah, that of sort of made me stay sane yeah. to some point yeah because i was bottling up so much hurt yeah um, but at the gym i could kind of forget about it it was like a distraction and yeah. people were there yeah like, yeah you had people and you had some support yeah. yeah and i was i was high but yeah. i was still functioning okay yeah wow um and you just like you would have looked normal to like yeah. an average person if i saw you at the gym you yeah. would have seemed fine mm. yeah that's right wow yeah um, but then when we went into lockdown, that's when I really started to hit everything harder. Okay. Um, I started to experiment with other drugs that I could get on the street as well and mix it all together and just see how it affected me and okay. see if it would make me feel better because that's the whole point of drugs mm-hmm. and alcohol, to okay. change the way you feel. And that's really what I wanted to do. Yeah. And the plan was just to use it temporarily yeah, until she came back. Off. Yeah, right. Um, but of course, the, the more I took, the more of a tolerance I, you know, um, built yeah, up to it. Wow. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, the, it got worse and worse. Um, and then when we had to sell our home, which was another huge devastating separation so for me. Yeah. Because I was so connected to that mm-hmm. home. Um, that, that took me to another level of use again as yeah. well. So I wasn't into cocaine just yet. Um, but when we sold that place and I moved into the new place that's when my cocaine addiction started and I actually christened my new home with a coke party so um, and it was at the end of that party I knew that I had become powerless to my addiction Mm, and that life was unmanageable for me I couldn't control it because when everyone else left at like 3 a.m yeah um, and they went home and they tried to get some sleep um, I didn't I yeah, got on my hands and knees and I crawled from one side of the room to the other, um, just searching for scales on the oh ground, God, drinking everyone's wow. leftover drinks. There's vapes everywhere. And um, yeah, just going straight to the mortar and pestle and then you're licking the bottom of oh the, sucking the edge of all the credit cards that we're using to, to chop up and line up. Um, just sucking the, the base of the fry pan oh that we were hot plating on. Wow. I, was, I was desperate. and Like you felt like your body needed it? Like you kind of yeah. like didn't really... It yeah. wasn't like you wanted it. Your body was kind of craving it. Like yeah. Something, yeah. yeah, that's right. Because wow. those feelings just kept on getting stronger and stronger. Yeah. And I wanted to come out and I wanted to cry. I just wanted to cry Which all does the time. happen. Like when you do have so much alcohol, you get so emotional. So I'm guessing like the mixing it, it together, it's trying to come out, but you're trying to bottle it in and it's just this massive yeah. 
fight between emotion and addiction. Yeah, that's right. So how long ago was this? Like um, that, the Coke party, I'd say. This would have been um, six months since she left. Right. Six months into okay. my addiction. Um, and then I had this new place. And yep. when I realized that things were getting bad for me, that's okay. when I thought, okay, I feel like I've got to reach out to one of my best friends now. Okay. And um, then I found out that he'd just been arrested and gone to prison. So oh I was like, oh, gosh. what do I, what do I do now? Who do I speak to? And I was, I was oh, devastated. Shit. I felt like everyone was leaving me. Yeah, you would and, have. And he was the one person I thought that I could probably mm. speak to about this because he had been an alcoholic and dealt oh, with a whole lot of trauma no. in his life as well. Um, so yeah, that, that's when things escalated to another level again. I was really lonely. Yeah, That's of when I started to meet up with different girls. Yeah. And I started to sleep with them. And can I just say, like, there's no name dropping here. There's no bragging about no, numbers or anything like that. Um, I just want to say that they were lovely. Yeah. Because they knew where I was at and they were very kind to me. Yeah. And, that's nice. Um, it's, yeah, it wouldn't have been good for them because when no. you're an addict, you're extremely selfish. Yeah. It's all about what you can get and mm. you're a taker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so right. it wouldn't have been good for them. Okay. Um, but they were very kind to me. And um, yeah. So I just wanted to make sure I mentioned that because yeah, there's course. obviously going to be friends and family and people listening to yeah, this and yeah, people are involved in my story. Yeah, of course. Um, but things did get really bad after a little while. Yeah. And um, I worked myself into a situation that became very dangerous um, where I had my life threatened and I just did a whole lot of damage to some people. And okay. um, in the end, I just banned myself from people. Full stop. And that's when I I drew the blinds, closed the doors, stopped showing up to training, stopped showing up to work. And because hurting people hurt people. And I just couldn't bear the fact that I was hurting people now. And that's where I was at. Mm. So that's that's when I settled into a routine of, um, I was having three bags a day. I was having at least 20 pills a day. And I was drinking two liters of whiskey a day. and that's when I started um, watching a lot of porn as well. Yeah. I guess you would say it turned into a bit of a porn addiction because you're taking so many stimulants. Mm. So you are, you know, you're stimulated, you're turned on. Yeah. But at the same time, I was so lonely, so broken, and I was so desperate for affection and connection intimacy, and intimacy. Yeah. And I felt that I could get that genuine, authentic human connect wow. through yeah. the screen. Oh my yeah. gosh. Which is just a hollow pursuit. Yeah, of so, And all the, all the guilt and the shame you know, that, that comes along with that as well. Yes, yeah, it's just um, a cycle. Yep. And then in the end, all of the drugs and alcohol that I was taking and the porn I was watching, it just, it wasn't working. And I got to that point where I was like, you know, either I've got to upgrade to crystal meth, which is going to buy me at least three months until it takes my soul, or I've got to do just cold turkey quit right now because yeah. it was only a matter of time before, oh you know, Pippi woke up one morning and found me laying on the kitchen floor. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, on Wednesday, the 3rd of January, I, um, I went cold turkey. Wow. And stopped everything. And for the first two days, I was fine. Yeah. Okay. I was just really tired. But then on Saturday and Sunday, the withdrawals. Yeah. Really yeah. hit hard. And I was in my bed for two days straight. Um, just working through those withdrawals and what that looked like for me was the worst um, spiritual, psychological, 
and emotional pain I've oh ever been in in my life. And I just I felt like I was in the depths of hell with oh. the devil holding onto my feet oh. and God holding onto my hands and just playing tug of war for like oh. two weeks uh, for the whole, those whole two days. Yeah. And that was that was a real torturous time for me. Um, just two oh. days of torment. And, and you were on your own. Did um, you go no, through that I alone? Had, I had my parents um, oh, come good. down, sit on the side of my bed, and oh. also had my ex-wife at the time. She came and sat on the side of my oh, bed. That's... They were with me while I worked through those withdrawals. My daughter oh, wasn't there God. to see yeah, what was going on, of course. Yeah, that's good. Um, but it was, you know, not long after that where, you know, I, I did end up getting caught with all those things under my roof I wasn't using oh, at that time, but mm. I, I did you know, go to rehab initially so that I could get my daughter back. Um, and as I was in there, I started to realize that, yeah, I need to be in here for me because I started to cry and I just didn't stop and I started yeah, to work through all the pain yeah. Yeah. through therapy. And, uh, yeah, coming to the end of my stint in rehab was when I went to hospital to get an MRI check and that's when they found that I had MS. Oh. So, wow. you know, I'd, I'd lost my wife, I'd lost my home, I'd lost my best mate to prison. I'd lost, you know, 20 or 30 grand in drugs and alcohol. Um, I'd then lost my daughter. um, And and now I've just gained an incurable disease called multiple sclerosis. So I went into rehab to kick one monster. And and I came out with another another one. Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, my God. Yeah. When I ended up getting home, I just remember sitting at home. And it was so quiet and so lonely. And thinking, what am I going to do? do with my life now you know yeah of course what does it look like i'm get, am i going to be in a wheelchair am i going to be blind oh. am i going to have a I think job that's the hardest like, with ms as well is that you don't know like my mum's her best friend's husband has ms and that's only as of recently that he's yeah. just gotten that and it's so hard because you don't know what's going to happen that's like right. you don't know the effects mm. of what it can do and like you say it's different for everybody yeah. and like are you going to end up in a wheelchair and are you going to be able to walk or what do you what stage you're going to be able to get to and that's scary yeah the unknown is scary yeah yeah on top of everything else well yeah on top of everything that you just went through yeah so there's a there's a lot of trauma there and a lot of hurt and that's where you know the 12-step program has really helped me yeah so pretty much as soon as i got back home i i knew i had to get busy and so yeah my my week looks like you know church on sunday mornings na sunday nights i have a men's group um, actually, I've got work with my sponsor every Monday night. Mm-hmm. I've got my um, Chroma men's group on Tuesday night. Um, last year, I had a, a walk and talk with a good mate of mine, Lukey, on Wednesday nights. And then I have a walk and talk on Thursday mornings with Sanj. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I've just got to be back to back all week. Constantly. You've got to be busy, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Wow. And I've been consistent with that. And at this point in time, I'm almost 18 months clean and sober. Wow. Which is amazing. So the future for me looks like no alcohol, no drugs, yeah. no smoking, um, just a life of sobriety. Yeah, um, because I know what those drugs and alcohol mm-hmm. can do for me. Yeah. I know how it feels. And if I, have, if I go back there... I know that, you know, one won't be enough and I'll have to yeah, just, it'll just go again. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. Yeah. Wow. So when you found out that you had MS, did you, ob- like, did you go back into that headspace? Like, obviously, when you got home and was like, I, like, I can't catch a break. Like, yeah. did you think about 
touching drugs and did you think about touching the alcohol again or was this just a new a new thing that it's like well that's in the past now i have to deal with this like how did you deal with that well the ms is out of my control mm-hmm. there's nothing i can do no yeah. you can't take drugs to fix yeah, it yeah that's right so that's kind of an easy one for me to deal with yeah, yeah. mental health wise because mm-hmm. you know it's um it's out of my hands yeah and that's that's my lot in life and I've just got to work with it. Yeah. At the moment, my body's good. Today, it's good. So I went to the gym and I do everything I can today. But tomorrow, I might be foggy. I might have fatigue. Yeah. I might have numbness and tingling down the left side of my body. And then I'll have to take it easy. But I just have to constantly listen to my body. Yeah. And control what I can, which is, you know, clean eating, physical activity, um, you know, get good sleep. And, yeah, make sure my mental health is in check. I think mental health is the most important thing. thing. Because, like, a lot of, like, if someone else was a drug addict and found out that they had an incurable disease, they could turn around and be like, well, I'm just going to go back to taking drugs because what's the point? Yeah. So, like, you've, you've handled that really well. Like, you've done... Yeah, really you. well. Yeah, it's uh, th- that's kind of been an easier one. Um, my, I don't get triggered by people drinking and drugging around me. Sorry, that's guys. completely fine. Rude. Um, <laughs> but um, it's to say, Andy, you're talking too much. Yeah, <laughs> stop. <laughs> no, um, yeah, I, I get my triggers are emotional triggers. Yeah. So when I get hit with something emotional, um, that's when I feel like an itch to immediately numb the pain you know mm-hmm. so I, I have to be careful when you know i take a hit and there's been quite a few since i came out of rehab mm-hmm. um just information that's come to my attention i haven't been searching for it it's just come my way mm-hmm. i didn't yeah. want to know that stuff but now i know and what i'm going to do with that my first thought is you know usually to just quickly deal with it um but um now i you know, I call my people, I go to a meeting, yeah. I listen to some music, I do some mindfulness, uh, I pray a prayer, mm-hmm. I do whatever I can to make sure I stay busy and stay outside the house and stay around people. Yeah. yeah. And obviously, yeah, very little screen time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You, like I see you in the gym at least three times a day, some days, and I'm like, whoa, like, yeah. how are you doing that? It's, yeah. It's crazy. Like, I think your mental strength as well as your physical strength for your disease is insane like sometimes i look at you and i'm like andy i don't think you like sometimes look at yourself and realize Mm. the stuff that you do like i remember the other day we were doing squats and i was like you can lift heavier than that you're like i do have ms and i'm like oh my god i'm so sorry sorry." and then you did it and i was like what yeah that's insane confidence is an issue yeah believe it or not you know like a lot of people think oh you're so confident in the gym and like you know i do my best to back myself and connect Mm. with people but you know there are days where i do lack confidence Mm. and um which you would not pick like no one would see no Mm. definitely not yeah like i think um i would never have guessed that you had such like struggles in your life like when i met Mm. you you were just so positive you were just so you were confident and i was like this guy is amazing like whoa and then you told me what happened and i was just like what what and you were like oh yeah that was like a year ago i'm like oh my god a year isn't a long like that's not that long ago i think it was just before a year sober that i met you and i was just like you would never pick it like you hold yourself in in a way that is just it's even better than other people that have gone through things that I know like it's so inspiring Mm. Mm. and it's great that you can keep like still really 
be so confident in telling your story because it is like you know it's it's hard to tell like Mm. especially when it's you know you've had someone leave you which sucks and it's hard to talk about Mm. like especially when you're the person that went into addiction like addiction's hard to speak about yeah and you just do it so openly and it's it's amazing yeah thank you it's an important message for people to know especially men you know who you know we're we're taught not to have feelings and emotions and generally don't talk about this stuff yeah it's embarrassing it's a little bit embarrassing talking about this stuff yeah of course um but yeah like the amount of people that are going through stuff Mm. that we don't know about they Uh. keep to themselves yeah there's it needs to be talked about yeah yeah of course and you're you know you do a fair bit of work with mental health Yes, and, I do now. Yeah, yeah, so like what what are you doing with, like, who are you working with? You're um, working with well, things, aren't you? At the, at the moment, uh, well, the first 12 months of sobriety, it's mm-hmm. all about you, you know, Good. making sure you stay on track, you know, don't use, don't pick up, you know, yeah. keep going to meetings, keep working the program, keep doing the steps. Yeah. Um, after those first 12 months, the rest of your lifetime, it's about others. Yeah. You first and then everyone mm-hmm. else. So Beautiful. that's where I'm at now and uh, I'm focusing on service and making sure I can help other people, yeah. you know, um, have a successful recovery as well. Yeah. So there's different meetings that I get invited to to be a guest speaker at and share. And yeah. quite often they're topic talks where we pick, you know, a, a step or a tradition out of the 12 steps and we share yeah. on that. Um, and then one of my favourite groups is um, going to Northern Beaches um, Hospital to the okay. rehab in there. Oh, and that's where we get to share our step one story, which is pretty much what I've shared with you guys tonight. Yeah. In deep detail, we, you go through absolutely everything and, and you talk about how, you know, yeah, I understand where you're at. I've been at rock bottom too. And this is how I've been able to get out mm, of there and, yeah. and make a successful comeback. Yeah. And it's not that life's perfect now because it's far from it and it's yeah. not easy. But now I've got the, the structure and the boundaries that I need to keep me safe and moving in the right direction. Yeah. yeah. You've obviously found comfort in the gym and in things that you are doing, which is, I think, the biggest thing. As long as you have, yeah, it's cool to have a distraction, but if you can find a safe place and safe people, like, I think it's the biggest game changer. Yeah. when you feel safe yeah. with people and it would be you. very fulfilling for you as well like obviously because like you said you like to help other people That's even right. before yeah. this all went down so now you're just doing it with more of a purpose yeah. like that would be very fulfilling for yeah, you yeah it really is um, I feel a real connection to people that are going through mm. pain or trauma victims or people in addiction Yeah, and um, yeah like I feel I'd like everyone to know that I'm the guy you call when your world collapses because mm. I've been there, I know what it's like, and I know how to help you get mm. out of there. Yeah. You know, don't keep it to yourself, don't bottle it up, don't turn to all the things that I did because, yeah. you know, it, it may look like I've come out squeaky clean, but yeah. there were consequences to all of my actions. Of okay? course, yeah, so, there always is. Yeah, mm. I, I never glamorise those stories because they weren't pretty at the time. No. And, and um, yeah, I'm lucky to be here. I'm yeah, so grateful yeah. for this opportunity to come and speak with you guys tonight and share my story. And I really yeah. hope it helps and inspires a whole lot of people. It's, yeah, yeah, definitely. It's incredible. So like, what would you, what kind of advice would you mm. give to males young men especially about mental health like obviously you know that it's quite a stigma it's pretty negative stigma for men um so like what would you say to them for guys that are kind of sitting at home being like i'm sad i don't know what i'm feeling like and i'm just gonna leave it like that i'm not gonna talk about it like what 
would you recommend? What can what advice, advice can you, you give have? to people Talk like about that? It. Talk about it. Right. Communicate it. Yeah. yeah. And and I know that that's difficult for men. I don't know for me when something happens. I'm not ready to talk about it straight away. I have mm-hmm. like a delayed reaction yeah. and I need time to process yeah. what it is. Okay. So if something happens to me today, it might be this time next week where I'll be ready to talk about it Yeah, because yeah. then I'll have figured it all out. I feel head. like a lot of males are like I think that. They need, they, to they need to process. They yeah. need time to process stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you have to talk about it. Yeah. You can't. You can't keep everything under the rug because it all builds up eventually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And deal with, deal with resentments quickly. Okay. You know, you know, confront all of those things that you that make you unhappy or, um, you know, make you anxious. You yeah. Know, just confront stuff mm-hmm. and live an honest life. Try to live with integrity. Yeah. And yeah, just talk about it. Yeah, and you're quite open to people coming to you and um, obviously yeah. talking to you about it. Yeah. Which is big. Yeah. Because obviously, you know, you've been through a lot. Like, does it ever burden you? Do you ever kind no, of... No, not at all, because I get a whole lot out of it too, you know. Okay. I, I learn more about myself through other people's... Hearing other people's stories as yeah, well. Yeah, okay. So, um, but I do... I'm a huge advocate for therapy. Yeah. You know, group therapy, individual one-on-one counselling, whatever it is, because yeah. um, I've done a lot of that. I did three weeks in South Pacific um, Treatment Centre, which is the rehab here at Coco. Okay. Um, I then went every Tuesday night afterwards to a relapse prevention program. Okay. Uh, I kept going until the second wave of COVID hit and they told me I yep. couldn't come in anymore. And so I waited for that to end and then I went in for a one-week course on yep. um, uh, love addiction, love avoidance, which was really okay. good. That was just a week of psychotherapy. Just men started with nine of us, ended with five of us. It was wow. very intense, mm-hmm. yep. but it was good to sort of deal with all of those um, you know, new issues that I had gained through my trauma, you know, trust issues and avoidance and all that type of stuff. Mm. So, yeah, it all helps. So what about, like, now that you're kind of, you know, you're on the road to recovery, everything like that, you're obviously getting better and better as you move forward. Are you, do you struggle now with intimacy? Like, can you develop relationships with, like, women? Do you see yourself wanting something with someone? Like, obviously, after what happened to you yeah. um, and losing a partner of so long, yeah. do you have certain, like, trust issues with women or, like, are you actually quite open to wanting something? Obviously, I'm very scared. Yeah. I'm very scared moving forward. Of course. Um, but I definitely know that I want to move on. Yeah. I can see myself mm-hmm. with someone else in my life yeah. and I would love that. Yeah. I also know that... It's um it's all about timing. And yeah. I just need to be patient. Of course. So and, and not to try force something that's not there. Yeah. And um and compromise. Yeah. So at, at the moment the place I'm in, I don't have any love interests. I am single. Nice. Um at the moment I'm just um focusing on, you know, spending as much time with my daughter as I can before she goes to kindergarten next year. <gasps> oh my god. Yeah, up. I know. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. That's huge. And and just, you know, just growing and developing and um yeah, and when that time comes, I'll embrace it and yeah. I'll be all in because that's what I do, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's good that you're obviously have a positive outlook on it because a lot of people that kind of mm. get, you know, really hurt by a relationship obviously we can't speak for 14 years yeah but yeah it'd be something that would be definitely so scary and trust issues are a big thing Mm. especially if you just get blindsided yeah Yeah. which is hard to recover from 
Yeah, but moving forward, like I definitely don't want to have any baggage from back there yeah, that I'm bringing into the new relationship. Yeah. So yeah. That, that's what this time is all about, is dealing with all of those things that could possibly, you know, creep up into my next relationship. Yeah, right. And I just want to make sure that they're all done and dealt with. Mm, yeah. And um, so it's, it's important that I make amends with everyone in my life that I've done harm to and um, that that there's peace there, that there's yeah. no resentment, no hatred, and um, yeah, there's just open communication and that all the relationships and friendships and partnerships are in, in a good place. Yeah, yeah, right. And everyone's been very, you know, um, respectful of that. They're all happy. Accepting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think accepting, not necessarily happy. Yeah, yeah. that's the word I was about. Uh, yeah, it, it, acceptance is the most important thing. Yeah. You know, because some people won't accept your apology. Yeah. Yeah, of course. You know, but it's important that you go there anyway. Yeah, and try. And do your part mm. and try. Yeah. Because yeah, the effort counts. And then you've done everything at your end mm. to, to move forward and, yeah. And if they don't accept it, then you've it's tried. On it's yeah. on them. That's right. Yeah. You've yeah. done what you feel is right. That's so. right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, wow. It's it's crazy stuff to think about. Yeah. Like, obviously, you should never compare anyone's situations at all, but, like, I think hearing your story and hopefully other people hearing it can kind of mm. just give people that confidence and that, you know, be able to take that next step and be like, okay, I think I need to talk to someone. Yeah. It could be a friend. It could be a parent. It could just be, like, writing something down. Mm. I think listening to you and hearing that you've hit, the rockest like the lowest, lowest of rock of bottom and you're still like there's so much more for me like yeah. you have obviously ms you have everything like it's like people that complain about you know little things it's like again no comparison but to just hear your story is just yeah i hope it, people can take even the smallest bits out of it yeah yeah i do too yeah. and i definitely think they do yeah like all the people that obviously are around you or like the people that you touch are just so positive mm. and it's it's so beautiful to see mm. especially it's with amazing. men's mental health like yeah it's, it's a massive and mm. men's mental health is such a massive a massive topic that needs to yeah. just be opened up like obviously with nrl yes. like paul green committing mm-hmm. suicide and all of that stuff yeah. like it's like a it's a slow burner mm. but it definitely needs to be needs to be out there yeah and like mm. like riss said Having you speak about this stuff so openly, hopefully, people can just take it even a little bit out of it. Yeah, yeah. But that's that's all I hope for. That, yeah. You know, the little bit of light I shine in the darkness. Yeah. Um, as enough to sort of get people to take that first step. Yeah. 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 Of course, I think. It's, and it's, it's that so first important. step that's the hardest it is. as well. It's the first so, part. Like, um, what do you reckon was your turning point? Like, yeah, I was reckon. How did you like? Because a lot of people who would be into like drug addiction, like. Knock it out do, do, don't normally have that turning point like what how or they how say that when you go cold turkey they do it for a couple of days and that's the yeah like cold turkey is usually the hardest thing in the world like mm. what in your brain just like flick yeah like how did i'm doing it and i'm doing it hard like, yeah it was 100 percent for my daughter yeah she was my motivation mm. so yeah i don't know how I would have got myself out of that if I you know, didn't have her in my life. Okay. She was literally my life support. And a lot of people comment on my Instagram all the time, oh, yeah. you know, the bond that you've got with your daughter. Yeah, it's beautiful. Like, it is on another level. Mm, because would be. she's the one that saved my life, you know. Because um, that's, that's why. Because I knew that the, there was no amount of drugs and alcohol I could take 
to, to stop that pain anymore. Yeah, so okay. it was either I upgrade to the hardest stuff I could get, which would be ice. And, and you um, just lose who you are. Yeah, I knew that that would eventually take my life. Um, or I just keep doing what I was doing and I almost overdosed twice um, and I knew probably the next time was going to be it and and I couldn't bear the thought of not seeing my daughter grow up and being there with her and and so I did stop for her but then of course I was in rehab realised I need to do this for myself because there's so much hurt there and those wounds are deep and deep wounds need deep healing and I need to take this time Mm. to focus on myself yeah but yeah yeah, so I like yeah if obviously Pip was like the biggest reason for you to do it and then you realise that it it definitely needs to be about you and it needs to be a focus of you and which is great but obviously having and knowing that you're affecting other people is a big thing mm. that a lot of people don't really Realize. think about. Yeah. yeah, They kind of just be like, okay, I'm hurting and it sucks. And they get into this self-pity stage and that's where they keep continuing down a snowball where it's like that's it right. just gets worse and worse because they're in wallowing in self-pity. But I think obviously with you, you were like, nah, you've always been a people person and having your daughter, like that's obviously massive. Yeah. Mm. So, she um, was kind of all I had left at that stage. Yeah. And then when she was taken from me, that was it, you know. Yeah. That was, where, that was the fork in the road, you know, and, and I could... I've spoken about this before where yeah. at that fork, I can either choose to be the victim in my story and um, just choose to sit in it, settle in it, and just live a meaningless little existence. Yeah. Or I can choose to be the hero of my story and stage an epic comeback against all the odds. Literally. And, and let's just see if we can't give life a good nudge and what I can do with where I've been and yeah. how far I've come. Like, obviously, the easiest way would have just gone the victim, victim road. way. Yeah. it's so easy. You don't have to feel really sorry for yourself. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But your road for, rede- for redemption is massive, and it's, it's amazing. Yeah, thank you. It's, it's the hard way, but it's the best way. Like, it's yeah. just everything. Mm. Like, you obviously could be in a wheelchair, and you're still not. Like, you are so strong in everything in your mind and, like, your body, and it's it's incredible. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, and that's why I'm at the gym so much, because yeah. while my body's working, I want to do as much you as with use it, it as I can. Yes, that's right, because mm. yeah, who course. knows what the future holds, so while I can yeah. you know, move my body the way I can, I'm going to keep doing my tricks. I mean, the way you <laughs> yeah. move your body is ridiculous. <laughs> Thank you. And everyone that I speak to is like, he's not 41. I'm like, yeah, you wouldn't guess. Like, you That's look after you. face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you look after yourself so well. You do. So, like, I think, would you say that fitness and, like, physical health is just as important as mental health? Like, yes. when it comes to recovery, when it comes to, you know, fixing yeah. things. The two kind of yeah. con- like, coincide with each other, don't they? Like, yeah. it helps. That was the hardest part about being in rehab for me because we weren't allowed to do any fitness or exercise. Um, They remove every opportunity you have to create another addiction. There's there's no sugar, there's no caffeine, there's no exercise, there's no technology, no TV, no phone, no music, no nothing. So that you can't escape your problems, you have to face them. Deal with it. Yes. Head on. So, I mean, not not many people know this, but I used to um, take my showers in the uh, disabled shower because it's a little bit bigger. So I was able to bang out some squats and some (laughs) some burpees. In the shower. (laughs) So I was able to get a little bit bigger. That. Um, and we're allowed, we're allowed out a couple of times a day to go for a walk, you know, yeah. for a half an hour um, in a group. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, as soon as I got out of there, I knew that I had to get my fitness back on track because it has a lot to do with how you feel mentally, yeah. how you look physically. And if yeah, you're unhappy course. with the way you look, you'll be unhappy with the, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So it's important to look after yourself and, yeah. you know, good hygiene and all that type of stuff. It's yeah. important. It's, oh, it's you really just got to look after yourself. You do. Around. In every aspect, aspect. of your life. Yeah. Yeah, so I was 77 kilos when I came out of rehab, and I'm now 66. Probably a happy place for me is about 68, so now yeah, I'm just wow. tampering with my calories a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, um, the, the drugs and alcohol, they really put it on me. Yeah, yeah right. It's just, that's crazy. Like, it's a, ugh. every time I hear your story, I'm like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, it's confronting. confronting. Yeah, yeah, it's 100% confronting. Yeah. Not in a bad way, it's just like, whoa like you hear stories of people that go through things and then you just never really know them though like mm-hmm. obviously i know you and i'm like oh my god like you are just such a positive person and it's yeah. like i strive you wouldn't to really have such yeah pick you, it. you really wouldn't mm. you like sneakily just like tell people i think you like snuck it in too you were like oh yeah i used to be an addict and i was like what <laughs> Sorry, we were just talking about something else, like, and now you want to tell me that you're an addict. We were, we were like working out, and I, you were like, "Oh, like tell me about you." And I was like, "Okay," and I was like, "Oh, like I broke up with my boyfriend. I'm really sad." And you were just like, "Yeah, like this happened to me." And I was like, "Oh shit!" I'm gonna take, I'm gonna take my sad emotions about like, my ex boyfriend. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. And you were just like, "No, no, no!" Like, please tell me more. And I was like, "This guy must think I'm such a sook." Like, <laughs> no, no, no. And you were just, I think. That was a big turning point for me in the gym to be like, oh my God, no, I want to really work on myself and like look after myself for me, not just because like I want to, you know, feel better about myself in my breakup and like, you know, look better because everyone mm. wants to have a glow up, let's yeah. be real. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it was such a focus on looking after myself because I was like, oh my God, like. Could have it so much worse. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, Jesus. And you just speak about it so comfortably as well. I was like, whoa. Yeah, I've been conditioned now. Yeah. Uh, since rehab where you're just taught to go there and uh, it feels so good. Mm, it feels so it good would. to be able to speak openly and freely. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've, I've had to wait at least 12 months before I, you know, share my story from a platform like this. Yeah, Because in that first 12 months, you just got to be careful, you know. Yeah, yeah. it's touchy. Of course. Yeah. And um, you don't want to fall into any type of murder by character assassination. Yeah, of course. Or, yeah. you know, let any resentment slip out or unresolved issues because there's still heaps there. Yeah. yeah. There's still, more, you know, plenty of work to be done. But, yeah. Um, I feel like, you know, I'm in a good place now. And if I get an opportunity to share, I'm going to share. Yeah. 100%. So, you know. so what do you do on those days where you kind of just feel just like down? Where you kind of just like, today's hard. Like, what do you do? What do you tell yourself? What routine are you in? Like, what do you do? I definitely stick to routine. Yeah, so no, no, no. you seem like a very routine person. I have to. I've seen your calendar life. before and it's like... <laughs> yeah, yeah, because there's ebbs and flows for yeah, everyone in life. And um, life doesn't get perfect as soon as you stop drinking and drugging. Yeah. And, like, it's, it's now you've got to deal with stuff. You can't just have a drink every time, you know, something comes, something comes up. Way. You can't yeah. just lay in bed. You yeah. just got to... I just stick to my routine and um, I have I think the morning is the most important part of the day because how I do my morning will affect my mood set the the tone for the rest of the day rest of the day totally yeah Yeah. so in the mornings I make sure you know like I have all those 
important things like my vitamins and my mm-hmm. coffee, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do always start the day with a prayer. Um, often it's a prayer of thanksgiving. Okay. Even if I'm not happy with the way things are at that point yep. in time, I always offer, you know, like thoughts of gratitude. Yeah. Um, and yeah, from that point, there's a little bit of mindfulness, a little bit of med- meditation. Okay. I do listen to a podcast or something each morning. Yeah. Um, I read my books. I've got my big book, my good book, and my little book. <laughs> and I make sure I, you know, read those and yeah. um, just, just get my head in the right place. Yeah. yeah. So do you find that it's important to be around people during those days? Like, yeah. Because a lot of people tend to shut off. Yeah. Like a lot of people are like, oh, I've got like, Which is like, it's not, it's it's not you deal bad with if you want to have just a day to yourself where you just don't want to deal with people. But yeah, a lot of people tend to get into like a yeah. little bit of a hole and go, I don't want to do anything and I don't yeah. want to socialize. I don't want to see anyone. I just want to <laughs> be in my hole. Yeah. Yeah. There, there are times where I... If I'm well enough to be at the gym, I'd definitely be there when mm, yeah. um, times are tough. Um, uh, a friend of mine committed suicide earlier this year and I found out while I was at the gym. Oh, I'm so sorry. And all I wanted to do was run away yeah. and run home. Um, but I thought that's not the place I need to be right now. Yeah. I need to be around people. Yeah. So, and then as soon as, you know, a couple of the others walked in, you know, like Gus and Nia and Charlotte, I just broke down in tears and just started bawling my eyes out in the middle of the gym. Of course. You know, I I just, I'm past the point of what people think about me when they see me emotionally. Um, of course, you got to do what's best for you, and letting yeah. it out is so important. Yeah, so that that's, that was just one example of a time I needed to be at the gym. And yeah. there's a million other times where I've had certain things come my way, and I've just, I've just got to get to the gym, I've got to be around people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the people you surround yourself with, like, Gus is such a beautiful person. Like, he's always so happy about life, and he's had so many injuries as well, and he's just the happiest person ever. And I'm like, mm. The, the vibe that you guys all have is so welcoming and it's, it's great. Like, even if I feel bad or I feel sad and I'll go to the gym, I don't even have to talk to you guys. I just see you and I'm like, sometimes, yeah, it is infectious and I'm like, that's so nice. Like, I know what you've all been through and, like, you never know what someone is going through. Like, that's right. And I think even if I don't want to talk to anyone, I, if I see it, I'm like, yeah, I feel comfortable because I feel mm. safe. Like, I'm around yeah. the people I want to be around. Yeah. And I think that's so important. Yeah. On days where you just don't want to do anything. And it's it's important you share those feelings and emotions with other people as well. Yeah. You might just, you know, find out that they're feeling the same way. Yeah. And the amount of times that I've shared my story with someone to the person that you would least likely expect to be going through anything in life. Yeah. And they say, oh, well, you know what? I'm actually going through this. I've been battling with yeah. that. Yeah. Open to speak other like, people oh, up. It's crazy. Everyone's yeah. going through something. They are. You're not the only one. You just got to be, yeah, you really got to know that and be like patient with people and just supportive of everything. Like you are always going through something for sure, but so is the next person. And Mm -hmm. like it's never, you should never be comparing it, but it's just always about, you know, being there for the people that are happy to open up to you. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that what you've been saying about you shouldn't compare it because Mm. it's, you know, what I went through with um, my marriage breakup, yeah. that, that pain is equivalent of your first heartbreak when you're 13 yeah. years old at school. Like it's, it's what you go through. It's yeah. how you feel it. Like no one can ever tell you how you're feeling. And if you're upset, you're upset. Like That's right. No one should ever take away your from Your emotions are your yeah, emotions. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Someone can tell you, oh, it's not a big deal. But if it is a big deal to you, then it is like... 
So people yeah. need to listen. And I think, uh, like, listening is such a hard skill for mm. some people. Like, there's yeah. opening your ears, but then there's listening and mm. actually actively listening. Yeah. And I think that's a big thing for someone to just be like, yep, I hear you. Because mm. you can soundboard someone, but to actually have someone listen to you is just even more, it's just better. Yeah. And it's just such a simple act of kindness. Yeah. When you can just say, hey, I just I just want to listen. I'm not here to That's give it. you advice and tell you my two cents about exactly. the situation. I'm just here to hear you out. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Which is amazing. And obviously that's the type of person you are. So like, please people, like, you know, if you are dealing with stuff and you don't know who to go to and you live around the Northern Beaches, Andy is such an open person, like... If you ever at Crunch D Y, <laughs> Andy yeah. is there. He's Crunch always there. Andrea, he's somewhere. <laughs> he, you can message him at any time. I'm, I'm sure, and yep. he will be there for you. And same as us. If it's feet, if it's girls, mm. if it's guys, like we're yeah. so open. And even just to have someone just listen to you is is amazing. So definitely take something from today. That's just take that first step. I think. Yeah, it's that first step. That's the most important and the hardest. Yeah. But the most important. But it's so rewarding. Mm. Yeah. When you can say, like, what you can say is that you can look back and be like, I did that yeah. and I'm still doing it. Yeah. And if you can be the first one to start the conversation or yeah. help someone take the first step. It's amazing. Yeah. Be the hero of your own story. Right? Exactly. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So that's exactly what you've done. Yeah. You've done it's really done well. Incredible. It's so, amazing. And we're so, I'm so grateful to have met you. And I think so many people are the exact same. Like, you've helped a lot of people. And you may not see it, but I definitely think you should know that. Yeah, thank you. And you're all part of my support network. And I wouldn't be where I am if it wasn't for you guys. Knowing that you're always there, you know, it keeps me coming back and keeps me moving forward. So, mm. yeah. I'm so glad. And we're super proud of everything that you do. Yeah. And I am just so happy to see what you do. And I'm always like, yay. Like, mm. it's incredible. Thanks, guys. So thank you so much for thank joining you us. For ha- thanks for having me it's been amazing and i really hope people can take even the slightest thing from this yeah it changed my life when i met you thanks guys appreciate it might need to put like a little sensitive content warning yeah i think so yeah Yeah, a bit of a trigger (laughs) um but yeah so join us next week for another episode but yeah thank you so much for coming in thank you andy and we'll see you guys next week bye